in an emotional or a life point of view, it's about saying hi. When something comes to you and it is disturbing you at a level, it is a message for you. And so the warrior's way is to sit with it and say, hi, what are you here to teach me? What is this thing that I want to throw out and run away from like nobody's business? You're listening to Catalyst Talks, conversations with change agents, outliers, superheroes, and truly conscious leaders modeling what it is to be an unstoppable force for good in this world. What lit these catalysts on fire to do their work and what nuggets of wisdom can they share with a world literally on fire? This podcast is for you who cares deeply and seeks to catalyze the world. I'm your host, Stephanie Traeger. I'm a consciousness catalyst and soul coach to superstar change agents in business leadership and life. In this podcast, I wear an eclectic mix of hats, including earthkeeper, healer, mindset coach, lawyer, business sustainability, and impact strategist. My intention is holding space for higher purpose, peak wellness, and soul mastery so we can live in harmony with ourselves, each other, and nature. The whole idea of Catalyst Talks in these conversations is to awaken consciousness, unlock higher purpose, and learn what it really takes to catalyze change in that scale. Subscribe to our new podcast and help us grow. We're aiming to reach a million people at least in 2020. Let's wake up the world together. My guest today on Catalyst Talks podcast is Lawrence Ford. He's the CEO and founder of Conscious Capital Wealth Management and author of his recent book, The Secrets of the Seasons, You're Here for a Reason. It's an incredible book. We go deep into this book today and everyone needs to read it. He has a long and admirable career as an entrepreneur, financial advisor, consultant, coach, author, speaker, and spiritual leader. He has dedicated much of his life to being a bridge between the modern world of business and the ancient world of wisdom, which is why Lawrence was dubbed the shaman of Wall Street by the Washington Post and the Economist magazine referred to him as a man of two worlds. It is why we are in conversation today. It is so juicy and deep. Stick till the end. At Conscious Capital Wealth Management, his team helps clients align their dreams and values with their money, providing a game-changing client experience for financial advisors and their clients. Through his global leadership with the United Nations and the Sustainable Development Goals, he is the founder and chairman at Future Capital, where he convenes global leaders to leverage the nexus of consciousness and capital and co-create global economies that are good for all life. Lawrence, the shaman of Wall Street, author of The Secrets of the Seasons, you're here for a reason. It is a true honor, a sole honor to be in conversation with you today. And I'm curious how you're feeling today in this moment and where you are. Well, thank you, Stephanie. It is an honor to be here with you and such a pleasure to have the attention of those who are listening right now with the potential to be able to touch your hearts or your soul in some way that might help you become more than um, where you are today and where your soul might be leaning you. So you ask a very good question. So in this moment, I'm just really excited and I'm happy to be here with you because this is my reason for being here. And I love to share that to help promote other people. But my morning now, it's a different story. <laughs> it, was, it was full of surprises. It was, um, you know, let's see, I want to make sure that I, uh, you know, my, my company, Conscious Capital, um, I want to make sure I protect the names and the innocent here. Um, so let me just think through this, how I'm going to tell you this. But, um, you know, we were getting ready to do something that we had put thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into, like a lot of money into. I mean, you know, not hundreds of thousands of stuff, but, you know good money into and a lot of energy and equity and sweat especially from one of our team members and it became completely clear today well let me go back a couple days so i'm sitting in my garage and i'm processing something separate and the animal world comes and speaks to me i'm hearing crows um, you know, so two days before that, I'm driving home and I see this crow fighting with a red-tailed hawk. And a red-tailed hawk in the Native American tradition is about your purpose and your reason for being here. So as you can imagine, they're good buddies of mine and come when I need to be reminded myself. 
And um, so I was, it was curious that, you know, Raven Crow messing around with Hawk. And I'm like, hmm, okay, let's just let's let that one sit for a minute. A couple of days later, I'm in my uh, garage with the garage door open still, um, just having a moment, um, you know, sending a text, but just having a moment in my car because like most of your listeners right now, you might be a little tired of your basements if you're working from home or your rooms. Um, so, you know, it was a little treat for me to actually sit in my garage for a few minutes before I came back down to work. And I hear crows making all this noise outside, like really loud. And so I said, boy, that's curious. And I looked in my rearview mirror and there's Bobcat. Now I live in, you know, Madison, Connecticut. It's a beautiful little beach town. And you, know, you don't have a lot of wild creatures running around all the time. And Bobcat energy uh, is about uh, many things, but it's really about being very clear on your purpose, being very clear, you know, on the hunt of following through of what you want to do in life. Um, yeah, you get the idea. I mean, and so that's the lesson that I needed to know. So I held that in me. And this morning, I'm getting to the point. Um, this morning, actually, you asked, how was my morning, Stephanie? Let me tell you how my morning was. It blew my mind this morning because uh, all this thing we were putting this money into and, you know, my rational mind was saying, you know, we got to follow through on this because we've come so far and, you know, yeah, it's not, you know, blah, 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 blah. But my whole body was saying to me when I got up this morning that this is wrong. This is not the right direction. This could be good, but it's not Bobcat focused. So we get on this call this morning at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time just a couple hours ago and literally blew up everything we had spent maybe six months working on. So that's how my morning was. And I couldn't be happier. Um, we got, had a few tears on the other side and a little bit of shock. Um, and we all know that it's absolutely for the best reason. Um, but um, I know that's probably the longer answer that you normally get on a podcast for how your morning was. But there we go. What really drew me in was your, you said you woke up and you had this strong feeling in your body that it was a no. And that is what so many, I mean, that is what so many people miss. And, you know, how do you discern that? How do you not say, well, maybe, maybe that's just something else? You know, how did you hone in on knowing exactly what that was telling you? Well, you know, thanks for the vote of confidence, Stephanie, but my rational mind had all the reasons why it should be anything other than a no. Um, and so, you know, I like to say that I just, I mean, I'm so blessed, like we all are, with such support. And if we pay attention and we stay open to the opportunities and the signs and the signals, then even someone like me who's so bullheaded and might have driven right through that door anyway, um, meaning ignoring the bad feeling and just kind of going with it because, you know, it wasn't that bad and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, when we got on the call today, I wasn't even clear that I was, this was going to happen, but then everything added up and I just let it rip. I'm like, you know, this is just not right. This is not it. And of course, everything on the other side aligned up too and said, yeah, you know what? You're right. <laughs> so, you know, you typically, when you, when, when for me personally, and for my teaching is when you follow your true nature even when you don't really know what that is, but when you follow your true nature and you trust, then you always get signs as long as you don't fight them. And when you lean into them, the outcome is typically a lot less dramatic than you thought it would be because it really flows with what was meant to be. And, you know, like I said to my team afterwards, I'm like, you know, it's, it's kind of like giving the, it's kind of like giving the engagement ring back. So we all need a couple hours right now, folks, to just breathe through this. You know, if you're pissed off, I get it. Go hit some pillow. Um, you know, yell at me if you want. Um, I'm going to process my own stuff because you know I'm thinking about all the dollars we spent and um, you know all of those things. But um, you know, when you, when, I guess what I'm saying is. I'm human. So I do that same thing that you're talking about, Stephanie. It's so important for our listeners to um, realize that there are those two separate things, right? There's that rational mind, that, that thing that sits up in our skull that thinks it's boss and really knows everything. Um, and then there's this other thing. So beautiful. 
this might be a really good segue into some of the secret, the secrets of the seasons and how you break down the four seasons in your book, in your new book, which everybody will have a link to. You have to read this book. I want to hear you talk about the four seasons and how, what, what, you know, brought you to breaking it down this way. And the reason why I'm diving right in, because there's, I want to use this time to really flesh out these different, these four seasons. Um, and what you're saying, I'm hearing what you just said, and it it's like, you know, you have to have the consciousness, be at a certain place in your journey to be able to hold both the rational mind and that mind that trusts itself and hears the signs and can see them and can create a whole story. Like, let me just, let me also just back up. This is this is a sign of the day. It's it's the Friday the thirteenth, everybody. That we're just going, we're flying around in circles like the hawk here. But you are somebody who holds, you know, the money, the mythic, the mindset. You 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 are this this holistic person, and so it's really interesting to me to hear you talk about how you hold the rational, and then you also hold the mythic because that's what really when it comes down to these signs, and you can tell a story, and it's not around just the five senses, which you also break down in your book. So I'm kind of dropping a lot of seeds here, but um, yeah, pick up where where you feel called to, and. And tell us about what inspired your four seasons. Yeah, well, why don't we, um, well, what inspired my four seasons were living it, <laughs> sometimes consciously, sometimes not. And I realized, you know, in, in this busy world and where we're at in this, um, you know, transformational opportunity we have as a species, you know, we truly, when we, when we look, and then I will get to the seasons, but, you know, you're asking the why. And so, for me, the why is because it is my reason for being here is to remind everybody they are here for a reason and there's nothing more important. And that is your greatest asset and every single person matters. And love yourself. Know that you need to really work on every single day aligning your doing with your being. Your being with your doing. Because when you do, you make beautiful noise beautiful music. And when you don't, not so much. And when we begin that discord inside of ourselves, we lose inner peace and then we lose outer peace. And so, you know, you kind of have that little, um, the little kind of uh, silly joke, you know, it's um, when you're in elementary school, you know, one of the kids says, what do you want? What do you wish for? World peace. Well, you know, why not? And so all world peace begins with is inner peace. Um, and as you know, which we'll probably talk about later, I live in the nexus of consciousness and capital. And so the capital is our, our species' most externally powerful tool. And our consciousness is our internal most powerful tool. And so we put those two together and we can have the change and time we need to change the trajectory of our species. And what I was saying earlier is that, you know, when you look at the real plane of history, Stephanie, um, you know, we're not doing anything special right now. All empires die and all species typically um, exterminate. <laughs> so I, sorry on Friday the 13th, it be so depressing. But, you know, it, when we're aware of those things and those trends, then we can have the power to wake up and, and, and make a significant change in those. And so the first part of that is waking up. And when we wake up to that, we all need framework, right? I mean, there's so much busyness going on. So the four seasons, the book took me 13 years to write, which I talk about in the book, my, my lovely wife tells me not to admit in public. Um, but, you know, my only wish for it was that, that it was impeccable and it would touch the right people's lives. Um, I'm not, I don't care about volume. I care about the right people's lives. And I've been so blessed to have so many beautiful people reach out to me, people from in their, in their 90s to in their teens. Um, so why don't we take a quick tour on the four seasons so we can give everybody a quick rounding. Does that make sense? Great. Okay. So season number one is when we show up, right? And our soul lands in these skin and bones and says, where am I? And that typically lasts about 18 months. And the reason I say 18 months is because from a psychological standpoint, we've come to understand the self-actualization point for infants at about 18 months. And that old test was done. You probably read about it when you were in high school and going through psychology. But when they put the rouge on the child's forehead and up until 18 months, the child will point to the mirror 
at the rouge mark. And then at about 18 months, they'll actually realize that it's on their forehead and, and point to their own forehead. Um, and that's the point when the soul kind of shows up and says, okay, I get it. All right. I'm, I'm hanging out in this skin and bones for a little while. Um, and so for those of you who the conversation about soul might seem a little far out, just hang with me for a minute um, and just pretend that maybe perhaps you are a soul um, inside of this body. Or as my dear friend, Richard Barrett says, um, you, you, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. Um, and so season number two is our season of doing. And that's what most of us spend the majority of our life in, which is going from A to B to A to B, back and forth to work, um, barely being present, which I will talk about in a moment, um, but really just unconsciously out there trying to be us, doing the best to be yourself out there in the world, working at different jobs, doing different things, um, and typically doing it unconsciously and a lot of people being asleep. In fact, ancient wisdom comes to us and watches us as a species, uh, especially in places like downtown Manhattan, um, and just is aghast that everybody's sleepwalking. And the way they see us, which is very true, is that we are literally not here. Our minds are incessantly thinking about something in the future. I mean, just think right now, take a moment, take a deep breath. And just think about while you're listening to me, what you're projecting or what you're thinking. And where's he going next? What's he going to say next? How long is he going to keep going in season two? <laughs> right? You know, so our minds are constantly thinking about things in the future or thinking about things in the past or maybe hung up on this thing soul that I used if it triggered you somehow. So we're literally not here. And it's such a gift, such a blessing to be alive. I mean, it's the odds of us actually being here is, is phenomenal. So in season two, we spend most of our life going back and forth, occasional sea mixed in in the form of vacation when we can't take it anymore. And, um, you know, it's a sad state of affairs for a lot of people, you know, just uncomfortably, mildly numb and unhappy and not quite sure why and want to break through and forgotten the fact that we have the right to dream and we have the right to be happy. And more than that, it's our obligation because we fit into this matrix of this beautiful weaving of this fabric that we matter. And without each of you living your purpose and your reason for being here, it's impossible for me to be in full bliss, right? So it's, it's this beautiful interdependent thing we have as a species. Um, so that anyway, that's that's season two. Um, so as long as we go on sleepwalking for a while and trying, we get gifted, all of us, in one way or another, with getting our asses kicked in season number three. And something comes to us, whether it's an illness of a friend or whether it's internally for ourselves, or whether it's um, maybe something like a loss of a job or a divorce or maybe something even just something that just comes inside of us where we just can't take it anymore. And we don't know why, but we just, we just cannot live this way anymore. And that is the season of waking. And it's the most misunderstood season of our lives because we are so hell bent on being productive and adding to the GDP, especially in this part of the world as good citizens. So anything that breaks us from being productive, we, feel that we are not doing the right thing. So we call season, third season is a season of initiation. And really what it's doing is waking us up and reminding us of that we are here and helping us face the things in life that we need to work through the most, our soul wounds and things that have been holding us back comfortably or not so comfortably tucked underneath our blankets of our everyday existence inside of us and our subconscious. And we need to work through those. Unfortunately, in season three, for a lot of people, unless you're framing life like this, it's just a depression or it's just something you got to get over. Um, and we miss the lessons. It reminds me, Stephanie, of a, um, a lesson when I was in my early, um, let's see, early 20s. And I was um, learning from one of a master Tai Chi. Uh, his name is David Chandler, just an amazing Tai Chi master. And um, we were sparring and he was teaching me and I was obviously a, very much a rookie at that point. And he, he gave me a gentle loving strike 
and I moved, you know, youthfully out of the way and avoided the strike. And I'm hanging there on my heels, you know, keeping from being defeated. And he looks at me very carefully and he says, you know, he says, when you rush through the lessons in life, you don't invest in loss. And when you don't invest in loss, you miss the lessons of life. And that stuck with me so deeply. And so that's really what season three is like. You know, it's counterintuitive. We don't want to be in pain, but when something wakes us up, it's time to settle into that. Go deeper into invest in loss. What do you mean by that? What did he mean by that? Mm. Well, let's talk about it physically because it's a good way to understand it, you know, from a martial arts point of view. You know, I, in my youthful way, I was able to jump out of the, the move and avoid some of the blow and not get knocked down. But I missed the kinetic lesson, right? Um, there's always somebody faster than you. There's always someone stronger than you. So that little lesson that I entertained myself with, I didn't invest in the loss because in the martial world of, uh, let's just talk in the Tai Chi side, it's about redirecting energy. So if I feel it kinetically coming with me, I will use that person's energy as I welcome that in, not to be a pushover and be knocked down and not to try to resist it, but to allow it to flow past me and redirect it. Kind of the harder they come, the harder they fall kind of concept, right? Um, and so that's it's explained, you know, in a physical standpoint. In an emotional or a life point of view, um, it's about saying hi. When something comes to you and it is disturbing you at a level, it is a message for you. And so the warrior's way is to sit with it and say, hi, what are you here to teach me? What is this thing that I want to throw out and run away from like nobody's business? And what I want to tell everybody is when you, when you play with it like that, which doesn't feel a lot like play at some point, which is why I use that term and you should too, consider using that. Give yourself also the gift of the eject button. Meaning that when that feeling becomes so big, when you sit with it, that it's larger than you and, you and it's overtaking you, give yourself the gift of consciously ejecting from that and then visiting it later. Um, it may sound subtle, um, but if anybody's been there, you won't understand what I'm saying. Um, at least that point, you're consciously ejecting and then you come back. And then as all of us know, sometimes um, it's very appropriate to get someone to help you work through that as you sit with it. But that's what I mean by investing in loss. What we feel like is something like, you know, you're a loser or you're not productive or how dare you be so weak. Welcome it in, greet it in, say hello and thank that for a lesson. The, the Southern shamans call, call it like the petty tyrants. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because the martial arts, I'm also a student of martial arts and my many, many years ago, my, the master who I was learning with, he would always tell me the same thing. He didn't use different words. So, but it was the, the lesson stood with me forever around, you know, you can only be so agile. You can only be so fast and, and be trained so much. I would train like four hours a day, but it's the science. It's the, it's the real deeper, you know, understanding of the energy that you can't, you just can't rush that. You either, right. I mean, you could, hasten the arrival there, but it is, it is the process of coming to that. And so, yeah, that, that's a, that's why I paused. I wanted to hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Explain. Yeah. What that, what one ounce moves 10,000 pounds, right? So we're in waking, we're in the third season. And then... Let's build a bridge, shall we? Let's build a bridge to the fourth season. And so, um, you know, so what happens to a lot of people in the third season is, um, you know, when, when, you know, so I want everybody, um, in the audience, our listeners, to visualize this for a minute, just pretend for a minute like your soul has this, like a snowflake. It has this pattern, this special song that's unique just to you. And your job is to align your doing with your being, right? So they vibrate at the same frequencies. We all know that. Like you see like, see like, a, like an opera singer or a rock star, right? And they're out there on stage and just killing it. You don't say, oh boy, I think that guy should be a plumber. Right. I mean, they're like, man, they are doing what they are here to do. Um, that's what I'm talking about, that type of alignment. 
And paradoxically, by the way, it can be, you can be doing anything while you're in alignment with that. And we can talk about that at some point, but when you're not aligned with these things, Stephanie, what happens is that you, you as I was referring to earlier, you, there's this, there's this um, disharmony, right? That happens inside of you. And it happens to all of us. This is not theory. This is not concept. Um, and, and if I sound a little bold with that, it's because I've worked with thousands of people, um, not the least of which was my biggest project is myself. So if, if these are not aligned, then eventually as we go through life in our, in our second or th even third season when we get woken up, um, there is a, that discord and this disharmony. And it's kind of like walking around with a pebble in your shoe or maybe like that incessant air conditioner in the background. You can put up with it for a while, but then all of a sudden it's like you just can't take it anymore. And so what we do as a species when we can't take it anymore is we move, one of our favorite things we do is we move to addiction. Now we look at our smartphones 400 to 700 times a day. Hello, my name is Lawrence Ford. I'm a you know smartphone addict. Um, but um, you know, we also do that in the form of alcohol and drugs and sex and work. Now we are a land full of addicts. And why, why, why do we do that? The reason we do that is because when we are present and with ourselves, we feel that disharmony. And addiction is the perfect pill for us because it's always calling us out of the moment. When am I going to get the next fix? And then when I'm in it, I'm lost for a while. And I'm numbing myself. I'm self-medicating myself from that internal pain of my soul, which by the way, I call it the heliotropic soul, which is always leaning us in the direction of our purpose and our reason for being here. And when that's in friction, we don't feel good. And so when the third season comes around, it gives us the opportunity to what the shamans will say, do soul retrieval. And when we're not living whole, which we'll get to in the fourth season, it's typically because we have something we need to work on still, which is part of our path here in life. And the shamans actually talk about how there are points in our life where something happens to us that's so traumatic that we actually lose a piece of our soul at that point in time. And so, of course, when we're, how can we live whole if our soul is not whole? It's a soul malady. And so the shamans are, are, are soul doctors, doctors of the soul, and they will go and help clients retrieve that piece of the soul at that impeccable time, which happens in a third season exclusively, um, and to be able to make that client whole. Um, when we move into the fourth season, we ready to go there, Stephanie, or do we have questions on the third season? What do you think? No, I'm actually, I want to go back actually to the second season. Okay, because the the second and third, often you can be in the third and then kind of fall back into the second, right? And you could absolutely. So there was a quote in your book that something that you said that this was when I got hooked in. I was just reading it and then I got hooked in when you said this, and it was the pain caused by the gap between the reality we old souls see and the experience and the reality that on some level we know is possible is just too great to bear, like that. That I don't know if I actually read that right, but that gap, right? Not only not only that dis dissonance in ourselves when we know we're out of alignment or we just can't take it anymore, but that like the the world doesn't make sense, and we know something different. We just don't have the vocabulary, or we don't have the experience, or something to right to 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 name it. So talk about talk about that, like how we go back and forth sometimes between those two stages, and that us old souls have. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up. And I don't know if I have much to add to that. Um, you, you put it really well. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, well, I guess let's just chat about it, right? I mean, you know, if, if, if we're, if we're a soul here in skin and bones, and we wake up and we realize this, and then we fall back in love with ourselves, and start living our being. Um, during that journey, a lot of stuff happens. So the first of all, the seasons are cyclical, right? I mean, Gosh, you know, you could you could have a third season pop back into the second season. You could be flying in the fourth season, and then all of a sudden, you know, for whatever reason, we need another lesson and get back and 
fall asleep in the second season because something wakes you up that's too painful that you're not ready to deal with, right? So that's number one. Um, but from the perspective of the soul, when you're looking at the world from the soul's eyes, it's like, really? <laughs> right? I mean, it, are we? this is really what we're doing? It's, it's, it's like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, you know, we haven't learned yet. And as I said at the beginning of the call, looks like we're probably going to exterminate ourselves again. Um, you know, really? I mean, is this really possible? How could, we, how could we be abusing people in the name of capital, this thing we've made up? How can we not be honoring each person? How, could, how, how, how dare we could be focusing on people's religions or race? I mean, holy crap. I mean, can you even, I, I can't even, from a soul's perspective, I, it blows my mind that these conversations are even happening. It's just so sad. So there is that shock effect from a soul of the gap between what is and what really is. Ooh, ooh, shock effect of the soul between what is and what really is. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And some kids I mentioned in my book, and I've worked with children too, which is fascinating, that level. You know, I, I remember one client who came to me, the, the, the parents brought the uh, child to me, and I've seen this multiple times where the child is at a certain age, um, you know, after the age 18 months, of course, but getting into the second season. And there are these things. And if any of you listeners out there know anybody with children going through this, please listen carefully because it's just not communicated much. But there are things that happen with children in their first few years of their lives, you know, maybe even all the way up to seven. I've seen it. Uh, but usually at, at a younger age, before five, you know, maybe between two and five years old, um, where they just start exhibiting really weird behavior, like, you know, shut down type behavior or really strange stuff that'll freak a parent out. Um, of course, this is not medical advice and take, you know, your child to the doctor and all that lovely stuff. That's very important, but leave yourself open to this option because I've seen it and it's worked many times where the child is in that state of shock. I'm so glad you brought that up, Stephanie, because I don't end up talking about this much. Um, but the child is basically saying, wait a minute, I don't know if I want to continue because this just is not what I signed up for, at least what I didn't think I signed up for. And, um, you know, a lot of you adults maybe listening to this right now can think back at a time when you were around that age. And you remember that, what I call hotspot, where you remembered that, that gap, that, that, that chasm between what is and what is from the soul's eyes. And um, that's an important part to remember, you know, because you've made it through and your agreement was to continue. Well, let's remember where it can be and never, ever, ever give up on the dream of what we can co-create. I love that. You know, a lot of people, and I read this in your book, you talked about your, when you were young and you noticed and you saw and you were writing in school. And I actually remembered early on too. And I mean, I actually had a traumatic experience before 18 months and that kind of woke me up. I mean, that locked me into to seeing what is. And so my whole youth, my whole like five-year-old to seven-year-old was totally in that state of the hell are you all doing? And so that's what brought me to the path of shamanism. And that I see that in kids all the time. So I love that you said that. And, and the question then is like, so what parents have to see it too, right? They, they don't, how do they know? If, how can they recognize that that's what it is? If that, if they haven't had that own, their own experience, or if they're not at least in season three, so they can understand what season two actually is. Well, you know, listen, um, one of my um, teachers, told me a long time ago, and he couldn't have been more right, children are like parachuted in little Zen masters, right? So don't forget that, that teaching doesn't go one way. So if you're confused as a, as a parent, let the child teach you. They've got something to tell you. And so just pay attention and honor that. Uh, we don't do that often. We think, you know, adults are smarter than kids, and um, that's far from the truth. So let the child teach you. Um, you know, um, as they say, uh, you know, trust in God, but tie your camel. I mean, bring them to bring them to the, the medical authorities and everything you need to do if something's happening, because you never know what's up, what's up. But if those all check out, talk to your child, they'll teach you. 
and just just be open and, and know that um, know that there's something more that that um, transcends your rational mind. And if that's happening with your child, there's a good chance there. Well, scrap that. Repeat. There's definitely a lesson in it for you. And Stephanie, I, I, I'm going to ask you something right now because at the beginning of this call, when we were saying hello before we went live, we were both talking about how preparation for this call was um, not something that was being called to us, right? I mean, we didn't, neither of us really prepared, even though we tried because it wasn't meant to. Uh, I think I know part of the reason why now. Because prior to 18 months um, was when I had my first big third season as well. And there's an interesting thing, and so I'm trusting, and this is part of, you know, living what we, what we believe in. Um, you know, in our earlier conversation, I planted that little flag and said, let's just pay attention and see where, where the magic's coming because there's some magic here rather than trying to force stuff. So it's a really interesting thing when, and I'll talk about it intellectually for a minute and we'll see where this takes us. Um, but it's a very interesting thing when you have a uh, soul wound happen in a pre-verbal state. It is a very, very different dynamic in a soul retrieval. Because when you've been, um, I'm just going to use, let's just pretend someone was abused badly, right? And I'm using that not in theory. We can talk about that in a minute in my own situation. Um, but when that happens, when you're old enough, when you have language, then you can have the language to process that when you're later in age. But when it happened, when it was pre-verbal stage, that wound lays at a different level. And I would add, if it happens before you can walk or move away, it's a whole other nervous system experience, an imprint. Now we're on to something. So I will share, um, with your audience. So for me, um, what happened to me was um, prior to six months of age, um, when I came to this world, which I've learned later um, with the work that I've done was it was an agreement that I had in my journey here um, very directly, but um, I was adopted. And so my first six of months of my life, um, other than, you know, the process of being abandoned, um, which is not an easy thing for an infant, as I went through, which is hard to, um, hard to uh, take in perhaps for a lot of the listeners, because I've mentioned this a few times in podcasts, but um, abused to a point where I almost died. And when you can think about that, you know, it's just unconceivable, um, you know, to see any species doing anything like that to something so vulnerable. Um, so I'm following the, the trail here, Stephanie, when you talk about you know, previous walking, yes. And that was my existence. And so throughout my life until my, um, maybe my 47th birthday or something like that, um, you know, I held those wounds inside of me. Um, I was doing a lot of work and had worked through with a lot of people um, uh, and, and um, you know, pretty conscious warrior out there but I still had stuff I needed to process through myself and let out those deep cellular wounds and do my own soul retrieval at that last point. And that, that shifted my entire world um, just for another conversation and in the book. But um, I wanted to make sure I was authentic and followed that, the magic that was leading us down this conversation. Mm, well, I know I've always resonated with you, with your energy, and perhaps it is because we share a we don't, it's not a similar story, but it is definitely a, it's an initiation. To be initiated as an infant is, it, it's a different path. Yeah, I'd love to share my story, but this is your time here. Larry. I want more people to hear what you have to say, and we haven't even gotten to the fourth season. So do you want to take us from that place of being all the way to living whole, right? Like, where do we, where do we bridge from here? How about this one? So following a sign since second grade, ended up on the other side of the world, training with shamans and being initiated in the Tamang tradition of shamanism. 
And of course, you know, with that one sentence, there was a lot leading up to that. Um, but taking the courage to go to the other side of the world to do this, I find myself over there um, going through this initiation, which was extraordinary. Um, not in a, you know, um, not in necessarily a fully joyful way, um, but in a very deep, uh, as initiation should be, um, experience. And about a week before I was to come back, um, I found myself sitting in front of this four-foot shaman, maybe four-foot-five. His name was Sama Ram. And like a wisp of a cloud, he was with us the whole time, and he barely even knew the guy was there. And I'm sitting in front of him, and on that side of the world, you know, the shamans will sit in their ritual, and you can picture all of these fresh fruits and uh, incense and flowers at the altar. And he's sitting there on the other side with the uh, incense burning. And, um, you know, unlike when I do my coaching sessions, you know, we're in and out in an hour because we're on American time. Um, they wait till the spirit enters. And so I'm sitting there with a six foot two, lanky legged, cross legged, you know, trying to hold this pose in front of this guy. I've got sweat pouring down my back. My back is aching. All I can do is fantasize about how am I going to lay down in front of this guy and pull it off as something that isn't disrespectful. Um, eventually he starts to shake. And when the shamans shake over there, they have bells on. And when the bells ring, it means, you know, the spirits are in. So it's kind of like game on. Here we go. So this little four foot five guy, he had a translator, starts yelling at me. I had no idea what he was saying. The translator wasn't talking. He starts screaming at me. And he like appeared in his energy like a monster in front of me at that point. Not in a, not in a bad way, but just huge power. And he screams at me. And then the, finally the translator starts catching up. And the translator says, Sama Ram tells me to sit up straight, sit up straight. <laughs> I'm like, man, I can barely sit up. Are you kidding me? So I like, prop myself up a little bit, got a straight back. And he looks at me and he goes, he goes, you are not in your power. He says, you are a true shaman. You have shaman in your bloodline. Every shaman has shaman in their bloodline. You are not in your power. How dare you? Go home each day and honor your heritage and honor your bloodline. I got chills through my body, Stephanie, because I knew exactly what he was saying to me. And he was saying, go home and find your heritage. I had never found my, my birth parents. So that was my next pilgrimage. I kind of left a couple of days earlier. I never quit anything, but I left a couple of days earlier, shuffling down to the dusty streets of Kathmandu to change my ticket home. Um, and partially because I knew I had another pilgrimage, partially because I was just torn apart at that point. I just couldn't even continue. And that put me on my journey to go find my birth mother, to go through this whole process, to regain that piece of my soul back, to find my heritage, which was ridiculously crazy. I mean, you know, how this stuff all came together. I talk about it in the book and then really own much more of who I was and have the courage you know, a lot of stuff happens for me, as I was saying in the, the book earlier, you know, in 2000, 2008, yeah, 2008, something like that. Um, I was on the cover of the Washington Post magazine with my headdress on downtown Wall Street, you know, called the Shaman of Wall Street. So I guess hiding was over at that point. But, um, you know, it still took a while for me really to, you know, come into my power and, and move through that process um, of being, as the shamans will say, dismembered, right? So literally broken down to nothing, which is what happened to me in a hospital. Uh, and then the next year beyond that, um, just experiencing depression for the first and thank God, the only time in my life, I'd worked with hundreds of people who were deeply depressed and suicidal, sometimes even just immediately discharged from ICU to me, but never experienced it myself. <laughs> Check that box. Not fun. Um, and then the second part, what happened that year um, was this incredible peak experiences. I mean, I was opened up. I saw beyond time. I heard everything. I saw everything. I know for some of the listeners that may sound a little bit um, 
uh, egotistical or, or pompous, but it was extraordinary. No, but it, it, it's actually, if you're actually experiencing it, then it's actually not. Because sometimes seeing and hearing and knowing or feeling everything sounds like a superpower, which it is if you know how to use it. And in New York City, if that's where you were, it could also be, which is what my experience has been. It, it was, you know, it, it's it's like you have to understand how to use that gift because you could. And, and that is a lot of reasons why, I mean, that is a reason why a lot of people are in mental institutions. They're not crazy. They just hear and see things that are, you know, we don't have the context or vocabulary for. So yeah, that point of, of the point of, of being able to see and feel and know, how did you know what to do with that? Yeah, Stephanie, first of all, thank you for saying that because that's brilliant. And obviously I know you're on the other side of the mic here, but uh, spoken by someone who clearly gets it. And so thank you for the work that you've done. Cause I can see that right now and hear that in your voice from knowing that and experiencing that. And, and it is extremely, extremely true and not something to be taken lightly. Um, you know, I, I'd like to take a lot of credit, but I really don't deserve too much. I get so much help from spirit and from those in the invisible world and those in the physical world. Um, you know, I just am so supported. I'm so loved. You know, when I was adopted, which I didn't say I got the big, big prize, two greatest parents you could ever imagine and a great family of which I have now. Um, my health is extraordinary. I'm so blessed. Um, I'm told that I'm relatively sane most days. So my mind is in pretty decent shape and I get to dance in the world of consciousness and capital and help people, you know, use money to make the world a better place through my work with the United Nations, as well as my work with conscious capital. So um, I think, you know, it's really about, Staying awake is the real answer, right? So regardless of, you know, whether you know something or don't know something, it doesn't usually come from the mind anyway, as you know. So it's about just staying awake and being true to the signs and watching what happens and, and having the courage to follow them. I mean, you know, for me to go to the other side of the world to study with shamans was not something I was really thinking I was going to sign up for rationally, but the signs just came together. And I'm like, you know what? I've learned if I don't follow them, they're going to come again. And they might come in ways I don't want them to come. So I might as well go with the flow and learn and be supported. Mm -hmm. So in their journey, I think we've done a lot of talking about the being, the doing, and the, and the waking. And in this living whole place, your journey between consciousness and capitalism has, has has been crystallizing and actualizing. And I would love to, in this time that I still have with you here, yeah, I'd love to hear about your work with the future of capital and your work with conscious capital. So yeah, how how did you bridge this? You're this healer, you're this shaman, you're this consciousness catalyst, and then you are also really grounded in this world of money and capital and and working with people in, in this linear plane. Tell mm. us about that. Yeah. Thank you, Stephanie. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to bore you with big stories with this, but I mean, I think the one thing I really want to say to everybody is, you know, I always have this vision of, you know, like when, you, when, you're, when you're listening to somebody on stage, right, and you're hearing their story and you're like, wow, you know, they're so cool, or I'd love to really be up there on stage too. I mean, what I, what I want to say to all the listeners is, I'm really no different than any of you guys. And most of you, many of you could be having this conversation too and leading this conversation. And so I want to honor that in all the listeners because that's often not done. Um, and so what I will say is that, you know, the path is not always easy, but it's always worth it, right? So, you know, it's like when people finish writing you know, a chapter or do an introduction about their life. It's like, wow, they got there. That's amazing. But what they left out was a few chapters of, you know, the hard work and the struggles and, you know, the lack of giving up. So I guess what I'm saying to everybody is just don't ever give up because you're here for a reason and it really matters. So don't give up. So through my journey, um, look, I came back, um, I, I went through a very um, challenging divorce a bunch of years ago. Um, I fell in love again with a beautiful woman who uh, had two kids, same age, same sex as mine. We were like Brady Bunch. Um, we all got together. We moved back from the islands. Um, then we had one together. Um, and, you know, the, the, uh, about six months after I moved back, the markets crashed. 
you know, and I'm on the cover of the Washington Post magazine. Hollywood wants to do a movie and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to feed the family. Right. I mean, you know, but I'm not going to give up on my dreams um, and I'm not going to give up on on my journey. So um, I wanted to just say that to, to, to everybody out there. But the work that I'm doing now, um, which I am so delightful and so blessed to be doing, um, is, you know, my, my three layers, it's kind of like, I talk about it like it's a veggie burger. So on my bottom bun of that veggie burger is my work that I do with my speaking like this, my writing and my personal coaching and transformation work that I do with a select few people of clients. Um, on the top end is my, my global leadership with the United Nations. They came to me about three years ago and asked if, um, I would be interested in leading this movement on this nexus of consciousness and capital. And they've admitted since, of course, they knew that I was number one, crazy enough to say yes. And number two, how could I say no? Because it's my life's work. And that has been extraordinary, extraordinary work. People can visit futureofcapital.org if they want to take a look and get engaged. And then on my personal work, it's lawrenceford.org. Um, and in the middle of this juicy um, veggie burger is our work with Conscious Capital. And the work with Conscious Capital is where we help people align their money with their values and their reason for being here and really truly transforming the way that financial services uh, works in the world. And the reason I do that is because uh, number one, it's, it's my gift and I've been in these two different worlds. But number two, there's such an incredible opportunity because there's trillions of dollars managed by wealth managers. And I believe that industry is fundamentally broken. And so when we can leverage that point, for good, then we can make some good significant impact in the world. So that's why I do that work in that spot. What I love is how we talked about soul first, and then we went there, you know, it's very often a lot of my conversations are the other way around. And um, before we got on here, I mentioned that I opened your book, and I saw a quote, and that was how a zebra built a business among a herd of horses. So what do you mean by that? Uh, well, you know, there was this, there was this moment when, um, so I, I looked around when I got out of college and I saw that money controlled people and I thought it should be the other way around and being, um, a little bit crazy. I had UPS back up the truck and show up with books and I decided I would get into the business and, um, being a rebel by nature, I was certainly was not going to work for one of the large brokerage firms, or in that case, anybody. Um, they probably had enough sense, and I did too, not to do something like that. And so um, after about um, four or five years or so of um, you know barely getting by and building a business, um, I had made it to the top of the charts, and I was backstage in the, in the mountains, um, you know, Wall Street likes shiny objects, and I was there with them. And there was about 2,000 or so advisors hanging out with all the lights and the big thing going on with the stage. And I was backstage with another nine uh, people who were old like me. I'm 58 now, so um, they were older. And uh, at that point, I was much, much younger. I was in my early 30s. And um, one of them, they, they all came over and one of them uh, came right up to me and he was so close. I can remember it right now to the day. I could smell the whiskey on his breath and came over like a... Yeah, I yeah. Smell it too. <laughs> and you got it. Yeah, it was like a herd of horses. They came over and looked at me, and one of them gets something in my face, and he goes, "Okay, kid, tell me, how'd you do it? How'd you make it here so fast? What's your trick?" And I'm like, "Well, there was no trick. We just love every client." And they all walked away, <laughs> and that's when I knew I was a zebra in a herd of horses. And it's really just, and I also knew at that point that it's, it's an industry that's fundamentally broken. Yeah, we need some shamans for sure. Wanna, I, I want to kind of move into the fourth season of our conversation. And when I first spoke to you a few years ago, um, you were telling me, we were sharing our shamanic stories with each other. And you had this beautiful story of the imaginal cells. And you told me about, you know, you just, the way you said it was so beautiful and it sat with me. And then when I was reading last night in your book and I, I'm like, ah, he was maybe working on that line back then. So <laughs> talk to me, you know, like give us, give us the energy of what, you, what is behind this um, real sense experience for you around imaginal 
I mean, break that down. People might not even know what that means, right? It's such a visceral word. Mm. Um, but really, the the essence of this is um, that there's two things that are really the punchline of the story um, that I worked really hard to put in good words in the book. So that's why I'm putting you on the spot. But um, the really the essence of this is is two sides. Number one is that you know we need to um, as we transform as our old selves die. You know we are born into our new selves which is that of the caterpillar and the butterfly. But inside of that story is really where we talk about the imaginal cells and the imaginal cells inside that caterpillar's body, right? The, the, the punchline to this is that unless they came together, the antibodies that are trying to kill them off because they don't know what they are because it looks foreign to them, I mean, what is this butterfly cell doing inside of a caterpillar? Let's attack it, right? The antibodies, let's go kill it. Um, with all good intentions, right? Just kind of like our current system today where we have, you know, 1% of the world owning 90% of the wealth, right? Um, if those imaginal cells did not come together and join together, there would not be a butterfly. So how can somebody listening plant the seed of their imaginal cell, like use that, use that medicine to transform a situation or a perception? This is a perception. It's a power. Yeah. Or as a shaman say, you know, we're dream things into being, right? Mm. So, um, you know, when, when, and this is, this, this leads us beautifully into the fourth season. So when you move into the fourth season, you're moving into a place of this, uh, one of my favorite, favorite sayings is a Taoist term, which is Wu Wei or Wu Wei Wu, which literally translated means doing, not doing. It's where the dancer becomes the dance. It's the space between the spokes that make the wheel. It's the space between the walls that make the home, right? It is that magical place of the in-between. It's, it's that liminal state where we are in our mind. I just read your mind, Stephanie, didn't I? <laughs> this whole time, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's this liminal state of the waking and sleeping, right? It's that gap. It's that place that Einstein knows, knew so well. He used to sit in a rocking chair with a glass of water in his hand because when he started to fall asleep, he would wake up and not want to drop the glass because that's where he wanted to be, because that's where the magic is, right? So living in the fourth season, when you're in the fourth season, first of all, you've passed through your gate of the third season, right? Check, you get it. Moving into the fourth season, again, things can go back in and there can be more lessons like we talked about cyclical seasons. But when you're in the fourth season, because you are in alignment and because you are now making good music, you attract other music makers. It's extraordinary. The synchronicities that expand when you're in the fourth season are mind blowers. Just by themselves, they, trans, they transform uh, or transcend anything that the mind could make up, right? When you look at the things that come together in the fourth season, and then you try to rationalize them based on permutations of probabilities, it's like, okay, I give. There's something going on here, right? So um, and I also tell people too in the fourth season that, you know, it's not all rainbows and kittens, right? I mean, you know, like you said, when you're awake and fully awake, you're awake and fully awake. Um, so the bad comes and is as bright as the good. But when you're on purpose, you're attracting those good things. And so back to the imaginal cells, what can you do with that analogy is when you move through into the fourth season, you can just stay awake. So when I run into you, Stephanie, how are we doing this podcast? We talked a couple of years ago. Did we put it on our calendar? Did we say we were going to get together in 362 days? No, but we stayed awake and we paid attention to signs. We paid attention to certain things. When I talked to you a couple of weeks ago and the endeavors that you were on, I paid attention to what I felt and connected you with someone, which might be helping you towards your dreams. And so 
pay attention is the lesson and you're going to be attracting naturally anyway. And when you do move through the rational mind of trying to figure out, yes, why, no, yes, just follow it, just surrender. That beautiful place that religions have talked about for ages, right? It's that place of surrendering. When you truly give in or let go to God, people will say, right? Then you can be led by something greater than your rational mind. And when you're on your reason for being here, all of that stuff begins to come together. And so the fourth season is really living in a peak state of awareness where you can enter like we began at the beginning of this call, my morning this morning, saying, what am I doing? This is entirely wrong. And my head saying, are you out of your mind? You've spent six months on this deal. And there's no reason in the world why it would make any sense to let go of it. And so I'm sitting there in that space with both things happening, but I'm allowing them to happen. I'm not attaching to either. And I'm entering my call at 9.30 Eastern time this morning on, of course, Friday the 13th with uh, something just showing itself, clearly showing itself without the extra drama, without me having to force something and me just saying, okay, there it is. And that's the, really the dance. And that's not what we're taught in school. That's not what we get grades for. That's not what the ego likes. But man, it is a good place to live. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm smiling inside because when I woke up at 4.44 this morning, and this is like really significant, like the four hawks circling above my head the other day, you know, like these are the things and, and it is, it's this function of really trusting your knowing of what it, it's telling you. Like I had asked you before, how did you know that that sign was telling you that specific thing to do that trust and discernment is, is as, as easy as just deciding that you do know and listening. Yeah. And, and or you don't. And listening, right? I mean, in my case, more often than not, you know, I just, I'm humbled by the lack of my, you know, as far as I've come, how, how little I know. Um, and, you know, so with the four hawks, right? You don't have to believe in spirit animals or any kind of dogma, right? It's like, interesting. Yeah. Four hawks. And that touched me in a way that I just kind of felt that in my body, which was a little bit different. And what I talk about in my book is like, you know, plant a flag. I call them hot spots. This to me, out of our whole conversation right now, feeling um, into intuiting who's going to be listening to this. I think this is one of the most important things I can say this whole time. And for you listeners, I'm sorry it took me a while to get there, <laughs> but here we go. So when you feel a hot spot, plant a flag. Four hawks hit my body differently. Interestingly, interesting. Don't know what it means. Don't necessarily have to believe that animals tell me signs. But something happened here. Plant a flag. Just curious. And then when you do that throughout your life, regardless of what season you are in, then life can become fun again. It's like a scavenger hunt with your soul always leaning you towards your purpose and your reason for being here and trusting in that more than anything else and knowing that you're supported. It's, I tell people, it's like, it's like this conspiracy. The entire universe is conspiring on you to become you because that's why you're here. So when you wake up, just pay attention to the signs, plant the flags, trust in timing, Use your will to the best of your ability. Reach out to people who resonate with you to help you. That's why we're here, to help each other. We'd be one person if we didn't need each other. So there's nothing weak about reaching out and getting help because that's what we do. We, we mentor each other. We love each other. We learn from each other. We have petty tyrants who push our buttons. All of us are teachers, right? And so have fun. Follow the signs. Plant the flags. And everything I'm saying right now is entirely selfish because I want to live in a beautiful, peaceful world. And I know that everybody, when I greet everybody, try this for a moment. Like in the East, when you greet someone, 
that beautiful, beautiful honoring where they say namaste, right? As I see God inside of you, loosely translated, right? Imagine greeting, imagine a world where we greet, just, just really take a moment for a minute, take a deep breath and imagine a world where everybody you meet and everybody who meets you, your first instinctual reaction is to say, you're here for a reason. I see you. How can I help you be that in this world? I don't know about you, Stephanie, but I want to live in that world. Mm, me too. That's why I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to, this message needs to amplify. And when you were talking about the message from the shaman and he said, you are not living in your power. How you are a you. shaman. You were talking to me. <laughs> you were yelling at me. And I mean, and, and that's what it is, right? It's like seeing each other and also giving each other permission to hold us responsible. Absolutely. Hear what we hear, what we need to hear, see what we need to see and say what we need to say. That's Thank it. You. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No time for small talk. Mm -mm. No time for small talk. Mm -mm. Call mm -hmm. it as you see it. That's it. You're here for a reason. How dare you? How dare you not live in your power? Go home each day, honor your spirit, honor your bloodline, honor your heritage. All shamans have shaman in their bloodline, in their power, in their heritage. Mm -hmm. Go home each day and honor it. Yes, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to everybody who's listening right now. Yeah. And, you can, if, and if you can feel that in your gut, I know you can. So begin with compassion, self-love, surrender, and attract good people because there's a lot of us out there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Catalyst Talks. Stay tuned for what's up next and please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. You'll find those links at catalysttalks.com. Join us as we continue this conversation on social media. And if you'd like to reach out to me privately, you can send me a message at stephanietrager.com. Your attention here means the world to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you.